Welcome to But Why Though, the podcast, a roundtable conversation about all things pop culture with guests from around the But Why Though writing community. I'm your host, Alex, joined this week by Charles. Hello. And Adrian. Hey, how's it going? This week, we're talking about hobby intimidation, kind of what creates it, how do you deal with it? You know, is it warranted? Is it imagined? All that stuff. Uh, but first, we want to get into news. And I think this uh, sort of slots into hobby intimidation a little bit, or at least, you know, the, the immensity of something and trying to take it all in. Um, Summer Games Fest is going on as of recording this. And I feel like a lot of stuff has been announced. Like, I've had a hard time tracking it. I don't know about you guys. Um, but the first big ticket item that I know is uh, Final Fantasy VII remake part two what's the actual title on this one i genuinely don't remember final fantasy 7 rebirth okay and this is the sequel to well it's not even a sequel it's part two of the retelling of final fantasy 7 yes that is going to be god knows how many parts i believe they have come i believe they have landed on three last time i heard oh interesting i didn't know for some reason i thought people were like this is going to be eight because of how slow they're going that well i i feel like that was the question because you know like midgad was originally like the first hour of that couple of hours of the original game i Mm -hmm. feel like i heard somewhere that they said it was going to be a trilogy but do not quote me on that (laughs) that could be wrong gotcha all right. Um, so, yeah. Do you guys have any any strong feelings on that? Thoughts on it? I know that people seemed to think that this kind of like confirmed some questions that were had around the, the remake as of the first game. Um, I mean, from what I remember of playing the remake, um, it definitely feels like it's going along in a lot of the same directions. Um, there was the mm-hmm. the biggest thing that was a huge question mark to me is at the end, they have a flashback to the um, Nibelheim sequence which was in the past um there's that's a big point of contention on what actually happened there during the original game and Mm -hmm. there is some dialogue and imagery that implies that sephiroth killed tifa which if that is what happened and that would be a huge divergence for Mm -hmm. the story and how is she here now and all that stuff um, so that was certainly like a what's going on there. Did I just completely misread that moment? Um, mm-hmm. The other thing that I noticed that I'm not sure about, but like had me kind of excited. Um, there's a moment where there's somebody in a hooded cloak. You can't really see their face. And they just say this one word reunion. And it sounds like I'm like 99% sure that the voice is the voice of Kodaj, who was the villain in mm-hmm. the Advent Children movie. Um, oh, interesting. Which as that was my first experience with Final Fantasy VII, and I have a huge soft spot for that, I would love it if they actually worked those characters into, even if it's just like, you know, in the background you see them and then they disappear so they can come back and do their thing. I would love that. Um, But yeah, I mean, they showed Yuffie, which, you know, was to be expected. She was already in the supplementary stuff they released for the first Mm -hmm. one. I was kind of expecting to see someone else because it would seem like this would be the game that Sid and Vincent and... Kate Sith would show up in potentially, but mm-hmm. there wasn't anything of them. Maybe they're holding on to that till later. They could be. I mean, and they did confirm um early next year is the window they're looking at still, winter twenty twenty four. Okay, so, th- so they've got runway to release more trailers oh, and yeah. to, to get something out the door. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah. Now as I, I take it a fan of the original game and someone who played the remake, how are you feeling about it from what you've seen? Um, I think it looks good. Um I my biggest issues with the remake mostly stemmed from just like the way the characters worked in the new 
format of the game with like hmm. with like you having to do like side quests and like cloud who does isn't really a helpful character in the first one like chasing after cats for little girls and stuff and it's like why is he doing this this doesn't feel like cloud but you know gotcha. they, they, they kind of just made it work but um no i mean it looks really cool and it looks it definitely looks like if it from what i from what it showed i would say that anyone who loved the first one i imagine they're gonna love this one unless it goes like really off the rails but you mm-hmm. know I'm sure that we won't hear too much, at least until after, well, I guess 16 comes out this month, I want to say, at the end of this month. So okay. that's not too far away, but it's actually kind of surprising that they dropped the trailer like two weeks before their other Final Fantasy game comes out. But Yeah, that is kind of kind of curious timing, definitely. But hey, exciting time to be a Final Fantasy fan. Absolutely. For sure. Um, Adrian, are you a Final Fantasy guy or yeah i think i just missed the boat on final fantasy if i'm being honest i think it kind of goes okay. into like our topic today that i'm just too intimidated to get into the game if there's just too much going on uh <laughs> that's fair i'll just yeah. stick to like the mmo versions of final fantasy where i could uh, look cute <laughs> and, and and blow stuff up i think final fantasy 10 was like the first final fantasy that i ever played uh, uh, well you gotcha. played the best one so yeah uh, and then when you know, whenever the guild is or the, whenever the the discord server is playing final fantasy 14 I'll, I'll jump in there every now and again but other than that like i'm now there's like a remake part two electric boogaloo it feels like kingdom hearts to me at this point where i'm just so lost on, on the franchise but um that's fair. i was with a friend yesterday who was super excited about this announcement and like you mentioned the the other game that's coming out soon so he's he's eating good and that that makes me happy nice. I would I I would be interested in 16 and FF7 Rebirth, except for the fact that I don't own a PlayStation and I'm sure my Uh, laptop will not run FF7. So, you know, maybe someday when whatever exclusivity dies, they might bring it over to the Xbox. But yeah, me me seeing all the Spider-Man 2 trailers (laughs) and (laughs) gameplay, I'm like, (laughs) I really I really want to play it, but I'm not I can't justify the, the cost. Definitely. And that's, I mean, that actually is spot on as to why I never got super into Final Fantasy myself. Um, I know that it was available on Nintendo consoles early on, but when it was really hitting its its stride in popularity among my peers, I was definitely just on Nintendo at that point. And so it was like, well, I guess I'm, I'm just never going to play this. Like, it's literally not on the table. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, other things at Summer Games Fest, there is a release date for Spider-Man 2. It's coming out in October. Um, they had, that was a new trailer, correct? yes but i they believe showed. so it's yeah so new footage um a, a confirmed release date it's again it's ps5 right exclusive yes yeah 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 which i am still on a ps4 so you um, know, i'll no. get i'll get to you it got phased out too it's it's, it's super rough because i i'm having that same issue with my with my xbox uh series x because i have another xbox in our other like little office that i'm recording in right now and I would love to be able to like, you know, hop different rooms, but I'm just stuck mm-hmm. with some of these newer games playing on my, my series X in one, mm-hmm. one, yeah. one room. I was say, I, yeah, I've got the series X and I can play all the new, you know, Microsoft stuff, but yeah, anything that's Sony exclusive until I can justify picking up a PS five, yeah. um, you know, and, and I think I'm actually going to pick up a steam deck before I pick up a PS five. So that's a fair, um, it's, it's, it's going to be a while. Yeah. I, I was actually kind of sad. There was a, a local, uh, seafood place that, if you go on your birthday, you get a free, uh, I think, Alaskan king crab. No, but every month, if you go on your birthday, you get entered into a raffle. Uh, and the May raffle was for a PS5, which was, 
I'm not going to say the only reason that we went, but it was a part of why we went for my birthday. Yeah. I was like, if we can win a PS5, like that's going to be pretty cool. So, um, but yeah, sadly I did not win that, but I was like, that's, that's my way. And that's how I get a PS5. But uh, some other time. Um, and then the other thing they got to announce that I'm excited for is Toxic Commando, not to be confused with Toxic Avenger, uh, which is just like a, an homage to like 80s horror, you know, action, whatever, uh, with John Carpenter involved. And so for me, that's very exciting. Um, how did you guys feel about that one? Uh, definitely interesting. I mean, horror video games have had a bit of a moment, it feels like, over the last couple of years between the resurgence mm-hmm. of the old RE games and then just some of the other, like, um, uh, the, oh, what is it, the something anthology, the, oh, I can't remember now. They were, like, choose the, the like, narrative, the Dark something anthology, Dark Pictures anthology. There we go. Like some of yep. those games and stuff have. So, yeah, so that's cool. I mean, John Carpenter being involved. I mean, that's mm-hmm. even I recognize that name and I don't really do. The the only thing I think I've ever had involved with John Carpenter is he wrote a one shot of the Joker that I reviewed. So, right. yeah. but, you know, so, but yeah, but so, yeah, that's definitely cool to see people like that getting involved. For sure. Also, I'm, I'm now realizing how strange it is that John Carpenter sounds like the most generic Sesame Street name for a person, <laughs> but he has made such a name for himself in horror that it's like a spooky name to me instead. <laughs> um, but yeah, the yeah. fact that he's involved, I was like, that's killer. I don't, has he done a video game before? I genuinely don't know. No idea. But I, I do have this vague recollection that he is someone who plays video games, like just in, in his downtime. Uh, and so on, on that grounds alone, I'm like, yeah, that's exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to this and seeing, seeing what he puts together, but yeah, not, I don't know that there's a lot to say other than eighties horror homage and John Carpenter and a video game. And that is a playable experience is just like, yeah, it's very good. There you go. Yeah. When, when you said John Carpenter horror game, I, I hadn't seen the, the trailer. So I was going to go look at it real quick. And I thought it was going to be like some super like scary thing. It just looks like you just go run and shoot a bunch of zombies in the face. Yeah. I mean, it looks very <laughs> much like an action game for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. That looks that that's, that's I mean, I, I only say this because like it's very hard for me to play Resident Evil games because yeah. they are so like I played a Resident Evil VR for was it seven? I don't know. What, what, oh, what, that, yeah, no, that's like a. Yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever that's the, the one, scary one. Whatever the one where the girlfriend like kills you in the first like ten minutes of like the game. Yeah, that's the scary yeah, one. And that that's one the, was like, very the scary way to play. the scary way to play it. Yeah. So when you said zombie game, I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to play this, but this looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. This reminds me a lot of like um like a Left 4 Dead, you know, mm-hmm. uh, t- type style of just you just run and you blow stuff for sure, and kill stuff. Which yeah, is, looks really cool. Fun. So all that said, I think now is a good time to transition into hobby intimidation which is a term that i came up with but it sounds like it kind of like resonated with people when i pitched it as an idea uh so for me hobby intimidation is um that feeling that you get whether it is um self-created or kind of imposed on you kind of like by gatekeeping or whatever um of just like i want to get into this thing but i i can't i don't know how it's too big um how how does that term land for you guys like how do you define it um, well, I mean, that definitely, I mean, like, that's definitely a thing for sure, especially, I mean, some hobbies more so than others. Um, I feel like, I mean, like, I feel like of the major, like, entertainment industries, I would think, like, mm-hmm. comic books and video games would probably be, like, yep. the most daunting ones. Um, and subsets of video games, too, like, specific types of games. Yeah. 
yeah, for sure. Um, even though, like, I mean, I mean, even just gaming in general, I like it's hard for me to think about it because I am someone who grew. I've done every. I've I've owned every console from the mm-hmm. Atari forward. But um, I was actually listening to a podcast the other day about uh, the virtual economy, and they were talking about how um, uh, mobile gaming has kind of like become an on ramp for gaming because it was hyper casual and over the last like 10 years it's become more and more closer to console gaming in a lot of respects Mm -hmm. and controls and intricacies and all that stuff so that was actually kind of interesting but um yeah no it's definitely it's definitely very real um and depending upon like who you have to help you through it it can be just a deal breaker sometimes for some hobbies if you just don't know what you're doing definitely Adrian, what about you? Yeah, I think um, I think in this day and age, I think we we get a lot of um, pressure for doing things that aren't doing like that that aren't adding like value and kind of advancing us forward in life. So I think doing hobbies for me has gotten like increasingly harder as I'm trying to like you know mm-hmm. work on my career and but I really you know would rather be doing X Y Z um, in in terms of like what what I would determined as a hobby but if i could do it for a living it'd be a lot more fun um but it's super hard to kind of make those things happen when it's such like a daunting uh, mm-hmm. daunting thing to turn what you do for fun into something that you do for you know i don't want to say money but like so you can live a live a happy life and i, and I think mm-hmm. whether that's like video games or you know content creation or even like being a critic it's like all super super hard and i think that what charles said is right we don't have someone to help you through it it's it's that much harder um i, I know i mentioned like final fantasy um earlier and that's like a i think a you know, small version of that but it really is like hard for me to get into that game because it's so daunting yeah. and i don't want to feel like i'm like left out or i'm doing things wrong and I think that really does translate over to having uh, formal hobbies that you would like to be doing more with when, you know, it, it's just that daunting experience of of making it work. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the Final Fantasy example is is a good one, too, because it's so it's a subset of gaming. You know, it's this this one franchise, but it's so immense and long running um, that, yeah, to just like jump in now feels a little bit weird you know to like to like try to get into it and i'm sure if you go on like final fantasy subreddits you'll find tons of people asking like well where do i start which ones do i play are there any i cannot do um i know like the resident evil subreddit has questions like that every now and again of like is it necessary to play code veronica or could i just play the numbered games is it okay if i start at seven and skip all the other ones um and, you know, that's where you kind of get into, and, and we'll talk about this more later, but the idea of, like, community responsibility um, or or just the, the role that the community plays in somebody joining a hobby. Uh, but before we get to that, because I feel like that's very much like an, an end-of-the-road part of this conversation, um, do you find uh, personally that when, not necessarily when you've experienced it, but when you've observed hobby intimidation, is it a result of like Final Fantasy, like it's just really big and I don't know where to start? Or do you more often see kind of like a a gatekeeping and poor attitude from the community that's making it, you know, too hard to get into? You know, like if, I mean, I don't know, like say you're trying to get into Frisbee golf and you post on Twitter like, hey, is this a good Frisbee to start with? And people are like, actually, you're an idiot. 
Um, not that I've had bad experiences with the Frisbee golf community on Twitter. I want to be real clear about that. But just as an example, like that's the kind of thing where you're like trying to get into it and then people are just sort of mean about it and it's discouraging. Um, but yeah, like what, what do you feel like you see more often? Um, well, I mean, it's definitely, um, it just depends. I remember back when I was like, probably like 23 or 24, I tried to get into Warhammer 40k for the first time, because I played the Dawn of War video game, I want to say it was called, Mm -hmm. and it got me interested in it. And I went to a local hobby shop and bought some minis. And like, that that's an extremely complicated game um and like Mm -hmm. and they had like you know like sunday you know free play days and i went in hoping to get games and like nobody was ever like hostile or angry with me but it was just that like you know like i'd set up across from someone and they'd be like oh you don't know what you're doing okay your guy's attacking them he has this he has that you need to roll 12 dice you're looking for fives or better and it's like okay but why am i looking yeah like why (laughs) like i'd like to be able to play this game without you could you expound a lot and like and nobody really wanted to take the time because they were there to get their own games in and it wasn't their responsibility to teach me they just wanted to play their games so that's certainly so they're playing for you at that point at that point yeah like i'm making the decisions and then, then they're just telling me what to do and how to find out the result and it's like okay which I mean, at that point you're playing a video game yeah you know like yeah. you're, you're putting in the input and someone's telling you what happened exactly and like i ended up going a couple of times but then i just like okay i feel like i'm just annoying people so i'm not gonna go mm. back and i mean i eventually got into 40k seriously but it was like close to a decade later um when yeah. i went back and to h- it how did you how did you go about getting into it then when you went back uh, when I went back, it was actually at the same store. Um, I had okay. started, I had started playing, um, other games there and I knew people and I was friends with the owner and friends with everyone. So I knew who to ask and who to approach and who was going to be, if not a total pain about it and just not worth dealing with. Um, and people knew me. So I was like, you know, kind of, a, I was a figure at the store and stuff. So they were willing to be more patient with me because, you know, I was playing, I taught them how to play board games. I'd brought in on Sunday board game days. So they were like, sure, I'll teach you, mm-hmm. you know? So it got a little smoother from there, but yeah, I mean, like e- even when people aren't being necessarily like hostile, it can still just like, if you're not having fun or like as someone who's done tons of game demos, nothing kills the joy more than someone who like doesn't understand that when they're demoing, when they're trying to teach you a game, don't stomp me into the ground. I'm not going to have fun mm-hmm. if it's like, why did I bother to play this game? That sucked. So, yeah, there could be a lot of different things that people won't necessarily realize even they're doing. Because, like, I mean, the worst instances are always the people who are just, like, absolute dicks about things. But Oh, yeah, and every hobby has that. Oh, yeah. You know, where it's... Whether, you know, like, I think an example for me of a, a hobby that... Or, or a, you know, an interest that... um could be intimidating but that i managed to get into was horror movies where it is an immense genre tons of subgenres, um tons of directors stars you know eras thing like a lot to know basically mm-hmm. to be to be a well-versed horror fan and i the thing that i think made it easy for me was just meeting some really cool people in the community um like some of the nicest people that i've ever met have been from the horror industry which um yeah has just been a, a really great benefit to me in terms of like learning and growing in that hobby but a big part of it was finding those people but there are also still people who are going to be a-holes about it and who are you know like i can't believe that that's your favorite scream movie or like why would you ever think that that franchise is good or whatever and you know they're just really into 
obscure 80s Korean zombie movies. Like, that's their subgenre that they really understand. And I'm like, that's cool for you, but, like, horror is bigger than just that. Um, Yeah, and I feel like that's maybe what you run into is it's not even necessarily gatekeeping as much as just, like, snobbery. Um, Which I, I think that also can come in in hobbies with equipment. Any anything where you are going to be buying, you know, whether you're like trying to learn how to paint minis, um, or even or what we're doing trying, now, like, yeah, even what we're doing now, like how how often, like, is your setup the same as when you first started doing podcasting? Like, there's no way you you, you have mm-hmm. to like you up, buy a better microphone, yeah. a better camera, yeah, better, and then you yeah. don't know what's a better microphone, and uh, I, I think everyone we've recorded with, they're like, oh, audacity, no, we're never, I, I don't know how to use it. I, I, it's too intimidating. I don't, I don't know how how it works, and it, it's tough. It's yeah, that's actually that's a great example because I podcasting is a hobby that a lot of people have tried to get into, um, and you know, some to more success than others, but there is a lot to know of like how do you how do you network, how do you get ads, what equipment do you need, how does editing work, how do you optimize your release schedule, like all that stuff is something to know. And if you don't have someone who's willing to talk with you and work with you and all that stuff, it can get really difficult. Um, and I, I saw a post online. I can't remember. It was Twitter or Reddit or something, but um, the, the very basic rule that I'm sure you guys have heard, which is like, never like go straight for like top end gear when you're starting in a hobby, like you should always buy what you can afford borrow what you can. Um, and, you know, recognize that like, cause if this hobby doesn't pan out for you and you just spent, four thousand dollars on you know whatever like you're out four thousand dollars that money's gone um whereas you know if you spent two hundred dollars and then borrowed everything else you are out two hundred dollars um and and i think that a lot of that comes down to um i mean we're going to keep touching on this but i think that the community aspect of it i feel like for me personally the internet has made getting into hobbies and you know interests so much easier because while there are still plenty of people online who are going to be dicks about it, you also will find a bunch of people who are going to be super nice about it and who will post like, here's a tutorial on how to, you know, how to build your first mechanical keyboard or whatever. Um, and it's, you know, here's the budget parts you should be looking at. Don't spend more than this on that. And hmm. um, yeah, like you will always find those people who are willing, who who are excited about people joining their hobby and who want to like play that that mentor role and that, you know, that guide role to get you into it. Yeah. I think, I think I would add that that is on the opposite side of that for me adds like a certain level of, um, I mean, do I want to call it imposter syndrome? Yeah. I I guess it's imposter syndrome for me. When people think you know what you're doing. Well, no, just, just, you know, getting, (laughs) getting into those things when you have, there's like a, a a big community. So I, for, for my own like personal example, I, I recently started getting back into, to star Wars Twitter as I'm going back into doing more uh, content um, things for, 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 but why though? And it's so intimidating watching like these huge accounts, you know, interact with each other. These huge accounts, um, saying things that like, I don't think are like that, you know, profound, but are getting such like big followings. And you're like, well, am I, you know, am I as big a fan as I think I am when looking at, you know, these other big communities who are established and doing these things already. So like, while yes, they are like a thing to kind of model after and kind of take, um, insight from, I think it'd be super and hella intimidating to, to be in those kind of, uh, in, in, in those kind of communities 
even just kind of um, coming in because they can say, okay, yes, they're going to be welcoming. They're going to be um, bringing you in. But it doesn't take away from the fact that, you know, sometimes I don't think that I'm a big enough Star Wars fan to be talking about these things at length and the kind of the intricacies of of XYZ show or XYZ comic because there's already, already all these other people already doing it. So why should I do it? Yeah, definitely. There's, I, I feel like there's a name for the term. Um, but you know, where like when you start out, you don't realize how much you don't know. And then, you know, a bunch and you feel really confident and then, you know, more and you realize how much you still don't know. And your confidence goes way back down. And yeah, that's definitely a spot, especially with, you know, um, I think video games is a great example of um, like and and to to get into a relevant recent example, Street Fighter. Like I've messed around in fighting games. I am by no means a fighting games player. Like I can button mash. I can try to learn a couple combos. But then when you see the level of you know dedication and and knowledge um, from some players of like oh here's like the exact frame you have to do this block to you know get around that attack and all this. But then Street Fighter Six just put out um, modern controls. Yes. Um, have you, you guys have heard about this? Oh yes. Um, I've my my personal situation is that I have loved Street Fighter for thirty two, thirty one, thirty two years. Whenever it was Street Fighter Two dropped, um, mm-hmm. but this is the first time I've actually been able to play Street Fighter Two or any so Street feel Fighter. Like you know what you're doing. Um, yeah. I mean, beyond like, I mean, like I used to get a lot of fun out of like Marvel versus Capcom two, some of the other like earlier mm-hmm. games, just because I had friends that I could couch play against and we were all kind mm-hmm. of of the same level. But once that stopped happening and the only way I could do anything that wasn't single player was online, it was bad. It's like, I couldn't, I, for some reason, anything more complicated than a quarter circle forward punch, I, my, my thumbs just can't do. But um yep. the but yeah Street Fighter Six's modern control scheme I'm now I'm I'm able to confidently because all of the moves are just you know all the specials are just the special button and either just that or forward down or back whichever one it is yep I'm able to do so much I'm able to actually pay attention to what the other guy's doing learn from mistakes mm-hmm. because I'm not trying so hard to focus on what my left thumb is doing on that D pad. That. It's it's almost like they added um t- and or it sounds like tell me if this is right um Tony Hawk controls. We're like Tony Hawk is hold the joystick to the left and press X and X is the flip trick button B is the grab button Y is the and so it's like you press the right button and then you press a direction or a pattern on the joystick and it does something. Yeah, I mean basically that's you know that th- they've trimmed it down a lot um also i mean like also like with the modern control scheme like they just have a light medium and heavy button there's no longer the light medium heavy the kick, kick light yeah it's just yeah. one or the other and it kind of does the one that it says it should do in whatever situation you're in standing crouching jumping it just kind of mm-hmm. always does one um just like also like it and this is and it'll be interesting as the game ha- gets more legs whether or not it's found to be balanced or not with classic controls, but also like the other thing that it takes away is because you just have the one button push for a special with, Mm -hmm. with the classic controls. Like if you ended a combo with a light medium or heavy, it altered the way the special would happen. It might do more damage. It might move quicker. Whereas with the modern controls, you just have one version of it. 
well, plus another one. But Interesting. Yeah, okay, so. yeah. I, I was listening to a podcast that was reviewing this, and they were saying that the other thing they found in terms of the balance is that it seems like there's just the tiniest bit of intentional input lag when you use modern controls. Which would um, make to sense. Sort of, to, to imitate the long button presses for combos. Yeah. Um, and I thought that that was a really interesting attempt to balance it. My question is, I mean, because that's the only thing I, I've heard of them doing, how is the community receiving this because this is maybe not the first time but one of the the more prominent examples i can think of certainly in recent memory of an industry or a company trying to lower that intimidation bar and to bring more people in so how is the the fighting game community and the street fighter community specifically reacting to this um i mean from what i've seen uh, like I, I, I've started watching a little bit of like content creation on YouTube just because I'm trying to find out some more stuff since I actually could potentially mm-hmm. get decent at the game. And like, it seems very much like the jury's still out. Like I saw one person okay. talking and he was like, you know, you know, like I think he said something like, you know, like 98% of the top players are still using classic controls, but that's mm-hmm. just because they're all the people that were using classic controls in Street Fighter Five, and they're not going to learn a new mm-hmm. control scheme. I think I think he did he did point out that like I think at least at the time that he was recording it, like the number four ranked Ryu in the world was using modern, so it's at least possible. Oh, interesting, but yeah. you know, so like, but of course, you know, like there's always also that one person that's you know rocking tournaments with Dalsim or something, even though most people mm-hmm. can't make him work. So who knows? But um, yeah, if nothing else, even but, if it's just a thing where it gets you up to, you know, gold ranking and then if you want to get further, yeah. you need to dive deeper. It makes it so that I could just feel like I'm actually capable of playing the game. So, yeah. And so it sounds like there's not actually like uh, an outright hatred or rejection of it. It doesn't seem it's just like yeah, it, 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 I, I haven't seen any of at least I haven't at least YouTube hasn't suggested to me any videos that are like, you know, why modern controls ruined the game or, you know, the okay, purity good. of the experience or something like that. I haven't oh, seen anything you, like you that. Oh, because you know purity of the experience. Like, there are people out there probably. Oh, like for pockets sure. out there. Oh, for that, sure. You know, it's, I mean, same with when games add accessibility features of, like, you know, here's to make it more playable and everyone's like well that ruins the experience it's like it ruins the experience for you yeah which you don't have to engage um, with it because you can just not yeah yeah and especially with like if a game if a game puts in a colorblind mode and you're not colorblind you don't have to touch it like that's fine yeah oh yeah for sure i mean and like and there's so much to street fighter beyond the inputs that make it difficult it's being able to instantly recognize from the status animations what someone's doing trying to respond to it properly mm-hmm. like even like i said e- even with this and even feeling competent like i checked my stats just this just last night and i'm only winning like 33 percent of my matches yeah but i'm I that, just... does, that doesn't sound too bad <laughs> one out of three i mean yeah well you know I mean, especially I mean... online I, I haven't played Street Fighter since Street Fighter 4, and I feel like I went online one time, and my first match I did great, and every match after that I got stomped <laughs> into the ground. I mean, yeah, I mean, one out of three with a new button scheme in a game that you, like, you haven't like, you know, seriously you know, tried to play for a long time. I think that's, that's, a, that's a good... You're, you're going to be up there pretty soon, Charles, <laughs> oh. from what it sounds <laughs> yeah. like. We'll see. Um, it, I have a lot yeah, to do. Is, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'll get there. Who, who are you uh, playing as mainly? Uh, or is it a, a a unique character creator in this one, right? Oh uh, well, they have the avatars that you can make for the single player world tour mode, and they have special avatar battles you can do, but you can't just go online with those because, like, you get to like 
over the course of World Tour, you can learn all the moves in the game and then mix and match and make your own. Okay, so like no one's going to know how to counter Zangief mixed with Blanca, mixed with Chun-Li, mixed with... Like that's yeah, going to be too much yeah, to like know yeah, how to play. Yeah, you can, you can opt to go into a match like that, but that you, that's not for ranked or anything like that, yeah. no. That, I mean, honestly, that that seems like hell. Oh, yeah. Because you, know, you, you know how to counter all of those moves as a well, player. Well, that... But if someone's leaning on one move set and then they just bust out something from a completely different character well that that and also like the proportions a little like that that character creator is absolutely bizarre like you can make someone who's like you know as tall as zangief but as wide as a bean pole and like it's just gets oh, really weird, weird and yeah. wonky and all that so i mean it's it's bizarre to look at and it's great and i'm sure people have great fun with it so but yeah you could not that that's not balanced for like competitive play or anything like that gotcha. for sure. okay that makes sense but to answer your original question i have been maining cammy so nice i like yeah i like i when i first started doing tournament fighting my 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 motto was if i'm blocking i'm i'm not punching enough um which is unfortunately (laughs) not a way you can play that game so but cammy's still one of the more rush type characters that likes to get in there and just mix it up Mm -hmm. and that's what i want to do so and i love the redesign for her it looks so good so i haven't seen that yet i'll have to look that up yeah, you know, all the characters got like more urban sort of looking designs and whatnot. A lot of them, it, it looks really cool. So, all right, um, yeah, that's that's uh, something that I've been enjoying in uh, Tears of the Kingdom is seeing how a couple enemies have been like reimagined. Yeah. Um, and there's been some really like interesting stuff where I'm like, oh, that's a completely new direction for that enemy. Nice. Um, but uh, anyway, I was gonna say this is also reminding me that you know the Street Fighter introducing such like a different way to play the game is the the old saying in comics of uh every comic is somebody's first yes where because i'm there are people who are going to be way into street fighter and street fighter 6 is the first time they've touched it and they've only ever played modern controls you know absolutely um and so i think it's cool that they've made that inroad and i you know it's the same way with comics of comics are a massive hundred year old hobby you know like it's been around forever um and it, it's hard to tell somebody where to get started. Like I, I have my personal strategy and rules for helping someone get into comics, but I understand that when, you know, someone's like, Oh, well I want to see what DC has. And it's like, okay, do you want, like, do you want to go all the way back to the forties? Do you want to oh, talk God, about do like that. modern stuff? <laughs> do you, you know, where do you, where do you want to start? Even with a single character? Like I, I'm a big swamp thing fan. I've read the original run. I've read part of saga of the swamp thing. I'm, I'm, I read the Alan Moore part. I'm reading the part that came before it now. Um, but that's a character that's just like absolutely, you know, not actually that used overall. Like if you compare it to someone else and it's still a lot to, to read and to track down and to know. Um, but you have to remember as a comic reader, like literally every comic is someone's first. Yep. Um, and so it's also hard to really like knock things or be critical. I think my first two comics, one was, uh, issue three of deadpool i was like five i don't know how i got that um and then a spider-man mini a single issue from a spider-man mini series that took place during the clone saga Um, (laughs) that's where i started in comics like historically um i actually went back and read that mini series as an adult and i did genuinely enjoy it um it was the i don't know if you've read it the lost years I I have not. Um, the Clone Saga was just a little before my starting to read comics and the general gotcha. <laughs> vibe. But you you know the concept of it. I'm familiar um, with so Ben yeah, Parker the, and yeah. 
Yeah, so the Lost Years series is um one of the clones realizing he's a clone and he's like, I'm not Peter. I don't have any of Peter's responsibilities. All of my memories are fake. Like, so my motivation also no longer exists. Um, I'm going to leave. And so he leaves New York and it's just like him coping with, am I still that person? Am I not that, you know, it's very much mm-hmm. a, a question of identity and ego death and, and all this stuff. And it's like, this is awesome and deep. It was not a comic for like a five or six year old <laughs> or however old I was at the time. Um, but I thought it looked cool. So, but yeah, so I, I guess with that, are you, I mean, you guys are both relatively in the comic sphere in some degree. So how, how do you um, see getting people into comics or, or how did you get into it yourself? Um, I think my first comic was like a, I think I still have it. Um, for whatever reason, I have a bunch of like late eighties Marvel comics for some reason. Okay. I, I don't know how I got them or, or why I have them, but it was like a Dazzler comic. Uh, okay. <clears throat> I, I, I don't know. I'm not a big Dazzler fan. If, if you know, that's yeah. But it, it I, is... I know like one person who is. So, <laughs> uh, so I was like, like my, one of my first comics. And, and I think, you know, telling people like, like where to start, I think is super hard. Cause I think, um, for the, across the spider verse, I did an article on kind of like the best issues for, um, <clears throat> Miguel O'Hara's, uh, Spider-Man 2099. And there's not a lot of issues there, but even mm-hmm. that was kind of like hard to, you know, find which set of issues and things like that. So I can't even imagine what it's like to do that for some bigger characters um, in in universe. I think the thing for me, I think where I resonate the most with kind of this daunting and intimidating uh, comic book sphere is in the the new uh, High Republic comics for for Star Wars. Some of the best Star Wars stories are going on right now in the comics, but there are just so many of them that I think it's super hard for me to tell. Hey, you should start here because if you start here, you might miss the thing over here in the book. So I think that is kind of where I stand in this. I don't really read a whole lot of Marvel and DC comics outside of like the characters that I like, Mm -hmm. but I do read a lot of star Wars comics. Um, And people ask me all the time, like, where do I start? And it, it it can be as the phases go on. And as phase three comes up um, here in October, it's kind of harder and harder to tell people where to start. Cause there's just so many issues between the main run with, with Kevin Scott um, for Marvel, you have the mm-hmm. high Republic adventures, you have um, a bunch of one, one off one shot comics now for, for, for that. And I think it's really hard for, to tell like the average star Wars fan to be like, Hey, there's this really cool, especially with Alkalite coming out here pretty soon. Hey, with Alkalite coming out, you should go read all of these comics. So you can get a mm-hmm. better understanding of the high Republic. And I think that's just like very, very hard, very hard to do. Yeah, um, I definitely think that like it can be. It, it's definitely one of the more intimidating uh, corners of media, though. Like, I think there are some things that can be helped that are oftentimes I feel like easily overlooked when it comes to comic book reading. Which, um, first off, just you know, and on like the broad level, if you're interested in like the sequential at narrative storytelling medium but you don't want to deal with that. There's a very vibrant and huge indie scene with image comics mm-hmm. and boom and Ani that all have like, this is one series read it, you know, something like science fiction, like saga yeah, or it's 20 issues. It's, it's, yeah. Sometimes it's 20 or maybe a hundred, but it's just, you start at one and just go through and that's all there is to it. Yep. Bang, bang the bullets. Um, there's no extra lore. There's no crossovers. Yeah, no, there's no, no yeah. hundred years of stuff, you know, and if you have a good comic shop, you can go there, tell them what you like and 
comic book medium is so broad now that if you they can find a comic that is for you whether you want to deal with capes or not but dealing mm-hmm. with capes there are i feel like a couple of things that um are really important to remember like if you really want to get into superheroes um the I, I know that like people, I feel like the, the thing that I hear people talk about the most that's like ter- that's intimidating is the dreaded editor's note. That hero makes mm. a declarative statement, there's the little asterisk, and down in the corner it says, see issue blank for full details. Yep. The biggest thing that I think most, pe- most people I feel like when they want to get into comics believe that they need to read that issue. You don't. Yeah. Um, nine, no, you don't. 99% of the time, whatever that, you know, if the character says, oh my gosh, we haven't fought this guy since he nearly killed me. You don't need to know how. If you want to, it's there. Mm-hmm. You can. All you need to know is that he nearly killed him. So if he's acting more scared than usual, or maybe he loses his cool and goes ape, you know why this is happening. That's all you need to know. Yeah. And so like in that regard, like as like I would say like the best way to get into a comic it's like, you know, if you know the character you're interested in, find the most recent number one and just start from mm-hmm. there and go forward. And wow. And honestly, pick up a trade, you know, well, like, it'll it'll have like four issues. You'll save a little bit of money. Even better. And it's, a, it's usually an arc, you know. Well, even better than that. Um, nowadays, both Marvel and DC have apps. Oh, yeah. And get a subscription. You get a subscription. It's 12. I, I believe the Marvel one is $12 a month. Um, or like okay. 65 for the year, but like $12 in comparison, that's three comic books at standard print value. Yep. So like, and you get a whole month, you, get a whole uh, month. And you can get a bunch of characters. Yeah, you can, you can find what you're looking for, just start reading. And if it, and if you get one of those editor's notes and you really want to, you go into the search, you type in the title and the issue and it'll bring it right mm-hmm. up. It's phenomenal. I, I envy anyone trying to get into comics right now. When I was, I live in Maine. When I was first getting into comics twice a year, my parents drove me down to Massachusetts so I could thumb through dollar boxes at conventions hoping to find old X-Men comics because most Mm -hmm. stories didn't get put into trade and that was the only way I could find it. Now that I've got the app, I've like, I've gone back and read like a decade of X-Men that I missed out on because I stepped away from comics for a while. I'm currently rereading all of the Avengers stuff from the new Avengers relaunch forward and mm-hmm. it's like I'm hundreds and hundreds of comics for like, you know, nothing at this point. So it makes it so much more accessible, so much easier that if you and and once you like find your, and the other thing that I would say that um, I feel like sometimes can be intimidating by people when it comes to getting into. And, and I feel like this kind of goes back to what you were saying about horror is that like comic books, like all entertainment are there for you if you're into mm-hmm. something like say you you find you love the X-Men and a bunch of your friends like, oh, you have to read the Grant Morrison new X-Men run. It's phenomenal. And you get six issues into that like 30 issue run and you're like, I think this sucks. Don't read it. Just don't. Yeah. You know, just move on. If the on. art style doesn't click with if, you, the story. You know, just... if you don't like it, like if like you may find yourself getting deep enough into a character that you're like, OK, something really important happened in these issues. I'm going to power through just because we've all been there. We've all done it, but you don't have to just read what you want. Take what you want from the characters. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have those discussions about, you know, you know, is Magneto a homicidal killer or is he the savior that mutant kind needs? Ask 10 different X-Men fans. You'll get 10 different answers. Like it's all subjective. 
find the characters you love, which is another thing that makes the app great. You know, like I just stumbled across, I read the recent DAC web crossover. It has an issue of Mary Jane and Black Cat in it, which I've never been a Felicia mm-hmm. Heidi fan, the Black Cat, but I was like, oh, this is fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jed McKay, who's writing the new Avengers run, it wrote a series of her. I went back and checked it out. It was awesome. Like it makes yeah. it just so, and then you just go down the rabbit hole and, you know, you start following at, cause of course, you know, that you can search by writer or artist, you know, and you just start yeah. finding the things that well, speak I, to you. I was going to say that's, that's kind of my biggest tip is like you, you start off, you know, you can say like, Oh, are you Marvel or DC is like the most basic, but like we've talked about, there's also indie and also things change, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then after that, it's like, well, what character do you like? You know, just go read a bunch of Batman, read a bunch of Captain America, whatever. But eventually, and I, I think this is where, like, the the experience of reading comics gets better the longer you do it. Because once you find those authors, those artists, um, those creative teams that click with you and you really like what they do, follow them. And it doesn't matter what the character is. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think the first thing I read by um, Rom V was his Swamp Thing run. And then it was announced that he was doing a three issue Aquaman miniseries. And I was like, I will pick that up. Like I'm an, I'm a lukewarm Aquaman fan. Like, I think he can be really interesting. I think a lot of the times he's not. Um, but I picked it up because I really like the writer or, um, Jamie McKelvey and Matt Wilson as a, a art and color duo are phenomenal. And I first found them on the wicked and the divine. Um, or, and for that matter, Kieran Gillen, I, you know, he he tends to hit on a lot of similar notes in some of his stuff. Um, but I read Wicked and Divine and then I went on and I read Die and I read Once in Future and, you know, went back and read his old stuff like Phonogram. And it was like, yeah, this is all clicking for me. I really like what you're doing. Um, and yeah, so like comics, it is that thing of like when you read a comic and you enjoy it, put your finger on what you liked about it and then look up more of that. Because if you read X-Men and you just really like the idea of X-Men and mutants, then read more X-Men. Like there are other similar concepts, but like there's nothing wrong with just reading more X-Men. Mm-hmm. Um, and also you don't need to know everything. You know, you don't need to read all of the the editor note issues. You don't need to understand every character before you start. Like you can just kind of go for it. And I, I think that comics are maybe an area where like the intimidation is is simultaneously completely real and also completely made up and and not necessary because you can just walk in and pick something up and start yeah I mean um, and no one's gonna stop you yeah I mean and I mean and also I mean it is also a very real thing like you know like you, you it, it it is also I feel one of the most seen as like okay if I go into the comic shop am I gonna run into comic book guy? When I say I don't know what I'm Mm -hmm. doing and I'm going to get ridiculed or, you know, I'm going to say that, you know, my favorite, you know, oh, I love I love the 1960s Batman. Do you have any Batman like that? And like, uh, you know, like, well, eh, you know, like it was a series a few years (laughs) ago, but, you know, like, you know, and there was the 89 Batman series they did not too long ago, you know, like, but it is it can it can be really intimidating because, you know, like. We've all met those comic book fans, unfortunately. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, just, you know, yeah, just and. I, I absolutely adore comics. I think that there is so much that can be drawn out of them because of how deep the sci-fi and fantasy elements are that they can, Mm -hmm. they can posit these hypothetical philosophical questions that, you know, don't really apply to the real world because nobody has superpowers, but you know, it's just, it's, they're they're so great. And I, I, I really do think that like, even within superheroes, there is, 
there is no single superhero comic. It's kind of like the early MCU you movies where mm-hmm. like Winter Soldier is a spy movie that happens to star superheroes, you know, and stuff like that. And you mm-hmm. can always find things. There's books that have a ton of horror elements in them or comedy or like it's just so broad and so rich. And mm-hmm. just, you know, yeah, I mean, like, as, I, I know it's super intimidating. And, and that's but... just in the big two. As soon as you get to, like, indie comics, it gets yeah. even wider. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, if you like yeah, something, you there's some... probably a comic series for it, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's Critical Role, Star Trek, Star Wars, obviously, you know, almost any. And that's when you probably have to go to, like, like the Dark Horses and the, the IDWs and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I, I mean, IDW has done some some really great work. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, you know, they they put out really phenomenal stuff. But it's like, you know, everyone's like, oh, they're the people who do like Ninja Turtles, and that's kind of like their flagship. So that's what what people forget. Yeah. And it's like, well, they also do like what I understand is a pretty good Sonic run. They did a great Transformer series. Mm-hmm. Um, I know my niece there. loves their My Little Pony series. Yeah, um, they they do good Star Star Trek comics right now. Mike Chen has a uh, oh cool Deep yeah. Space Nine Dogs of War that centers around like a you know Corgi named uh, uh latinum uh so excellent love it you know it, it's just just random stuff but y'all are good guides yeah. y'all are good comic guides appreciate that and yeah and i i also i mean more than anything like charles was saying entertainment is here for you mm. comics are fun like yeah. it's you know that's the it's a hobby that i feel like a lot of my friends have been sort of curious about and then maybe just not got into it mm. because of the intimidating part and it's like you can get into it mm. like it's you know especially if you have a local library and they have hoopla great app to read comics on i mean um and it doesn't have everything but it has a lot and it's free and and you are and and just be aware you are going to get things wrong you're gonna make mistakes i read it you're gonna read read, well 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 well, not only that but also like you're gonna get confused on things i remember when i was young i read an issue of spider-man that the beast guessed that in and he made a joke to someone about how he got his powers by being scratched by a radioactive ape and for like five years, I thought that's how the beast got. That's why the beast was blue, was the blue furry dude. Because he got scratched by Ray. Because, because hey, you know, and then I found out, oh, no, he's a mutant. That the, that was the, the blue part yep. came from self-improvement, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> you'll learn something new every day. Like there's been yeah. so many takes and retcons and just learn as you go and if you find out yeah. something you thought was the way it worked doesn't work that way anymore it's just fiction just go with it yep. just the the history of the characters doesn't matter because it doesn't matter to the company yeah. like the fact that they'll be like actually we're going to go back and say that this is how it happened yeah um like retconning <laughs> alone just sort of you know really undercuts the importance of knowing the history of the character not that it can't be interesting but it's just it doesn't hurt your enjoyment to not know everything about the history of the Green Lantern core um, to read a Green Lantern comic. Uh, but anyway, um, moving on to just kind of this last thing is, and I think we've hit on it a lot, especially with this comics talk is, do you guys feel like there is a community responsibility to like alleviate intimidation or guide people through, or is it just something that you can do if you feel like it? Cause for me, I guess it's sort of a, if you want to see your hobby grow and gain popularity and new people, you have to be doing something to make it approachable and, and, you know, and friendly, but also it's like, it's a hobby. I'm not getting paid for this. Like I'm not actually responsible for this. Um, like when I, when I help people get into hobbies, it's because I, I love the hobby and I want to see someone enjoy it. Um, but how, how do you guys feel about that? 
Yeah, and yeah, I, I know it's like the the you know the expanded stuff for Star Wars can feel daunting, and I don't say that as like don't read the the Star Wars stuff because it's daunting. Mm-hmm. I, I say it as but that, the Star Wars stuff is massive. Yeah, you, in, you just need someone. You just need someone to help you through it, especially like if you haven't been here since like kind of the the Disney takeover. But I, I love that. Like I'll never push anybody to. I'll never say like this is required reading or this is like required for you to like play to to understand anything that happens in the movies because the movies are always going to be like the the overarching you know end all be all of whatever happens but i will sit down with you and i will go over which issues or which books or whatever whatever the case is to read because like like you alex i i want to share my love for this fandom with other people and i want to help people kind of experience some of like the really cool stories and um heartbreak and laughs and action that that i've been able to experience in reading and going through the comics and even um, it, even the novels, and I think we, as a community, do have that responsibility to help people get into that. Because like, why? It's better when there's more of us doing it. Like, what do you want to go mm-hmm. back to the days where you're the only one who talked about things, or do you want to go back to the days where, you know, Charles has to drive to Massachusetts to be able to find comics? Like, that seems like a not a great way to like be. Uh, yeah. You know. I just realized we didn't talk about D and D at all. This well, yeah, entire that's a huge time. one. I mean, that's a huge that, one. Yeah. <clears throat> that it's a huge one that it it simultaneously had <coughs> it had uh, this breakthrough of stranger things so there's pop culture like pushing it making it seem cool um wizards of the coast putting out the most accessible version of it that they could and TikTok. then critical role popularizing it tiktok like there were all of these cultural forces and then also the company being like let's make this a thing I know more people who play D and D now than I than I ever have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, after during pandemic, D and D or tabletop game gaming in general is one of like the few mm-hmm. markets that saw a stark increase, and a lot of that comes from the community and people on TikTok and Twitter um, helping people get into the hobby of you know you're at home, you don't have anything else to do, so what are you going to do but play yep. pretend? Um, and sometimes you do need a you know literal dungeon master to get you through that. And you know the community mm-hmm. building for for D anD D has been crazy over the last what you know four or five years. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um. No, I definitely I think that it's really good. Um. To be able to, I mean, like I I'm certainly in the same boat with you guys. Where if I meet someone and like if I know like, if I'm at the comic shop and I hear and I see someone pick something up the, a trade of like one of my favorite story acts and they're like looking at it I'd be like, Oh yeah, you'll love that. It's great. You know, absolutely. Um, always happy to. And I think it's especially, I mean, like I, obviously we all have our different comfort levels when it comes to talking to strangers. Um, so yep. like <laughs> you certainly like, I mean, I would say, absolutely like if you're someone who has put yourself in a position like you know you're running a comic shop or you're doing something that makes it so that you should that that you are an ambassador for want of a better term of something like that then yeah absolutely try to be as patient and as you know welcoming to everyone because i like like i said i i came to accept a long time ago that a lot of the things that i love are not the things that other people love but at the same time i'm always i i would love if everyone wants to hang out and play my tactics games that you know or street Mm -hmm. fighter or all the other things that you know are constantly on my game of the year list that will not be up for game of the year because only a million people played it I would love to mm-hmm. if everyone did, but you know, it is what it is. Um, and I'm certainly as all, you always have to be, you know, cool. I mean, obviously just 
be good to everyone, of course, you know, just yeah. just do the thing, help other people do the thing, you know, pl- play it forward, you know, just be good. But agreed. Yeah, hopefully this episode helped people process some some thoughts and feelings around hobbies that they were wanting to get into but not able to get into and maybe we gave people some very practical advice on on comics and games um but yeah i think it's just it is a matter of just like be cool be chill like um if you want to see your hobby grow being mean about it is not going to help um you know and and also just demystifying i think is and that you know i'm surprised that's the first time that we've said that word this episode but like a lot of hobby intimidation is because something seems so unknowable and, and too big and, and, you know, like borderline cosmic horror or eldritch horror to try to, to wrap your head around it. And it's like, no, like you can break it down into bite-sized pieces. You can eat it like that guy ate a plane. Um, just yeah. A little and, bit. Have you not and, heard about this? That guy ate a plane a little bit at a time. Uh, no, no I not. The closest thing that I ever heard is an old <laughs> episode of mash where, where Klinger tried to eat a Jeep to get out of service. That's the closest. Oh I ever yeah. Heard. <laughs> no, there was a, there was a dude who like broke a plane down into it, like a lot of very small pieces. And over the course of a while ate it. Um, it's anyway, like but Adrian, Theseus type things going. There's <laughs> philosophical questions around that or this too uh, shall pass. Too Yikes. big for, I think our, our, our podcast, I think. Uh, I was I was just gonna say I think that um a lot of this I think why I have less intimidation than I do than I did before I think it has a lot to do with our Discord I know we plug it every week or, or every other week or we're um uh, on release but that really is a great place for for me personally especially with like for example Diablo four coming out I never really played any Diablos before this and I kind of like over the shoulder watched my uncle play Diablo two um but we have you know a little thread of you know, six or seven of us who are playing Diablo four. And it's been really, really great to kind of bounce ideas off of. And Hey, am I doing this right? Or like, when does this thing come out? Or, and it just takes a lot, it, it demystifies the the experience of jumping into a franchise. That's four games in that you've never played before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm having a lot of fun and I'm excited to play it with, you know, the other writers in the community, a lot of which have been on, you know, this podcast. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, I man, that's another one that I'm, I don't know how we didn't talk about this. We should have talked about that during the new segment of, of Diablo 4, but you are having a good experience with it overall. Yeah, I'm having a great experience with it. I think um, their marketing is going a little little, little crazy. I don't know if you saw their uh, Megan Fox uh, in scantily clothes kind of commentating on no. people. So um, all, I, all I've seen is that they put up that billboard that said, Welcome to Hell, New York. And yeah, then... that, what a what a way to plug your game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> No, but they they like um they pre-recorded a bunch of stuff with Megan Fox, so their mm. their Twitter was like, show us your your deaths, like your hardcore deaths, and then they would do like a pre-recorded thing. They would like co-tweet it with like a pre-recorded thing of Megan Fox, you know, saying like, oh how sad this is for you, something something something. But they they pre-recorded a lot for for big name streamers. So Shroud, I don't know if you're okay. familiar with Shroud, but he's one of the biggest streamers like in the world, and he had a level one hundred playing on hardcore, died to lag, and within like. 10 seconds of them posting the clip, they already had a pre-recorded uh, clip of Megan Fox, like talking about Shroud dying and how like abysmal it was. Uh, so they're getting like, little... it, they're just putting up videos of Megan Fox nagging people. Yeah. Is basically. It. It, it, yeah. Exactly. Like, like what it is. And it's, it, you know, it's, it's been fun. It's, it's been, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a big community thing going on right now. And I think that it's in a really mm-hmm. great spot and I'm having a lot of fun and it's more fun playing with, um, people in our in our but why though community for sure nice 
Also, I just got a notification pop up. I forgot this was happening, Charles. I don't know if you knew about this, but there is a mini series in comics right now called uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles versus Street Fighter. Yes, I saw issue one of that just last Wednesday when I was at the comic store. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have no idea if it's good, but um, I, I was reading a thing that apparently the premise is just all of these people love fighting. We don't need like a big mystic crossover, like just you know, go with it. Event. Yeah, it's just they they met and they love to fight. So they're going to fight. Um, but yeah, I think that about does it for the episode. Um, do you guys have any content that you want to plug outside of Diablo 4? Um, I, I don't really have too, too much going on right now in terms of uh, content creation because Diablo 4 is kind of taking over my life. But uh, we do have some some uh, some of the the gaming fest things that are coming out. I know that we'll have like a, a pr- impressions of Mortal Kombat One going out on our YouTube channel. Um, cool. Done by done by Kate, our our fearless leader, and then of course the the Miles uh, <clears throat> this uh, Cross the Spider Verse kind of like what to read for Spider Man twenty ninety nine. Yeah, is, is is up. So definitely lots of really great issues. Um, to, to take advantage of and pretty pretty easily and accessible not having to go you know read a bunch of trade paperback mm-hmm. just some just some small arcs nice yeah um well uh for me if you're um i'm gonna be uh it's almost done oh god um and it, the anime season's almost done again so we'll be doing our seasonal reviews for that um i just signed on we got uh wonder woman issue 800 Coming this week, I'm going to be re- coming up in the near future. I'm going to be reviewing that, which is exciting, um, which is going to be leading into a new number one. So people who don't want to buy issue 800, you know, they got a number one coming up. A great place, I'm sure, to jump on board if you're interested in that. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Wait, are they they're not going to let Wonder Woman run to a thousand? Uh, I mean, I'm sure that probably once it gets there, she'll have an issue 1000 because they love reverting gotcha. for the big numbers okay. and then going back to smaller things. Yeah. I, I went to, I went to a, a Superman 1000 release party and it was fun. And I think I went to a Batman one as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that does it for the episode. If you like what we're doing, don't forget to like us, subscribe, retweet us, review us on iTunes or wherever, wherever it is that you get your podcasts, uh, whatever you want to do, we will absolutely take it. Uh, be sure to check out the site. Lots of great content that we mentioned here and just so much more. Um, and there's also YouTube and Twitch and there is a Discord server. Just so many ways to find us. Um, and if you want to throw some money our way, we do have a Patreon so you can check that out. Um, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at But Why Though PC. And you can find me, Alex, on Twitter at Most Always Alex. Uh, Charles, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Gatsu083. All right. And Adrian? Yep, you can find me on Twitter at SuperReese93, S-U-P-E-R-R-U-I-Z 93. All right, thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you next time.